You're listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. All right, good evening, good afternoon, whatever we're in here. Good to be with you again. Hey, we're going to have just a shorter service today, just one song, we'll do a sermon and then another song, and then we're going to move into this vote. So that's, just so you know, that's kind of the plan today. And so let's just get right into the message here. We are continuing on in John 13 to 17, where we're going verse by verse through Jesus's last teaching. And today we take a turn and we go into John chapter 15, and we get one of the richest metaphors that Jesus ever gave on what it means to follow him. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so we're going to unpack what does that mean? And so um, I always want to remind us that this whole teaching is happening on the last night of Jesus's life. He's going to be arrested in just a, a short time. They're on their way. Now, they've left the upper room last week. They're on their way to the Kidron Valley and to Gethsemane, where he's going to pray one of the most famous prayers, and then he's going to be arrested. And so this is the context of what Jesus is teaching his disciples. And it's not just how are we going to persevere and follow you, but how are we going to persevere in a broken world, in a world that we'll see in a few weeks is hostile to the gospel and hostile to the advancement of the kingdom. And so uh, by way of introduction here, if I were to ask you, what is God's purpose for humanity, how would you answer that question? You might say to make a better world, to love one another. Those would be true things. You might uh, go to the Westminster Confession and say uh, the chief end is to glorify God. And of course, that would be right. And in our text today, Jesus actually tells us how to glorify God. In John 15, 8, uh, I think you'll see here, he says this, By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So Jesus says, here's how we glorify God. We, We bear fruit. And bearing fruit by his power is what glorifies him. And then he says, this is, this is how you prove that you're my disciples. The word there is literally to become, but the sense is to prove. And so let's just let that sink in. To follow Jesus, to be called a disciple of Jesus, is to bear fruit. And so we need to talk about, well, what does that mean? What is fruit? How do we bear fruit that glorifies him? And so we're going to unpack that. But the point is this, no matter what, age you live in, no matter what part of the world, no matter what denomination you're a part of, here is the point, here is the mission, to bear fruit for God. So here's what we see today. God's purpose for us is to produce God's fruit by God's power. God's purpose for us is to produce God's fruit by God's power. And the truth is, this has been God's plan from the beginning. If we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, what's the first thing he says to humanity? He says he blessed them, and he says what? Be fruitful and multiply. This has always been God's plan. And of course, where Adam failed, where we all failed, Jesus succeeds. And so now in Christ, we too can bear God's fruit by God's power. So we're going to be in John Chapter 15, verses 1 to 8, I encourage you to go there in your Bibles and follow along. Let me pray for us, and then we'll begin to to unpack this section. Father, we need you as, as the grapes need a vine. God, we need you for life, for nourishment, for sustainment. And so I pray today, Lord, that you would impart life to us. 
encourage us. Teach us what it means to follow you. Teach us what fruit looks like and how to bear it, Lord. And I pray for joy and peace and love, all the things you promised us in this section, Lord. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come now and speak to us through the power of your words. And so we give you this time. We pray this in your name, Jesus, and by your spirit. Amen. Before we jump into John 15, it's important to know this. Everything that Jesus is about to say in John 15 is based on what he just said in John 14. Okay, so we spent time unpacking John 14, where Jesus says, this is the way to God. And then he makes this astounding claim that if you believe in me, if you trust in me, God himself will live in you. And we call this the doctrine of union with Christ. And it really is the structure that holds up the whole Christian faith. And so he's made this point. I'm going to be in you and you and me, and I'm in the Father. And the Holy Spirit's going to dwell in you. And he's going to teach you the truth and remind you of all things I've said to you. Now he's going to unpack what does that mean? What does that look like in this metaphor of the vineyard? So let me read the whole section to us. And then we'll, uh, we'll go verse by verse here. John 15, 1 to 8. He says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples." So let's start at verse 8. Let's start at the end because that's where he makes his purpose known. That's, that's the point of this section. Here's how we glorify God, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And of course, Jesus was the one that bore fruit for God. He's the only one that did it perfectly. And I'm reminded of John 12, 24, where Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. And so Jesus leads the way in bearing fruit, and he calls his disciples to follow him and dying to ourselves and rising with him and living this union with Christ lifestyle that we've been looking at. And so what we see here is Jesus had a heart to glorify God. Now, we all know we're supposed to have a heart to glorify God, but many of us would say, I don't know if I'm always really about glorifying God. Sometimes I glorify myself or I'm glorifying something else. And so part of this abiding, as we'll see, results in having a heart just like Jesus that wants to glorify God more than myself or more than anything else. And so if glorifying God is bearing fruit, then that begs the question, what do you mean by fruit? What kind of fruit is Jesus talking to? And I think there's two kinds of fruit in the Bible that we see, internal fruit and external fruit. And I think he means both of them. And when we talk about any of this, what we're really talking about is growing in Christ-likeness. That's the whole end goal of discipleship, is that we would become more like Jesus, right? Romans 8, 29, we're all being conformed to his image, both his inner world, his heart for God and people, and his external, how he lived his life, how he ministered and served. And so that's what we're all being shaped into, and that's what this fruit really is about. 
So first, let's talk about internal fruit. And we look at um, Galatians 5:22 to 23. Probably familiar with this. The fruit of the Spirit says here is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, against such things, there is no law. And so this internal fruit is what we call character. We grow in our character. And these are character attributes. And notice the primacy of love. Love kicks off the list. Love is most important. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. I'm calling you to love one another. Love is the point. And so the, the first fruit of the Spirit is love. And, and all these fruit, they grow together. Okay, they all are happening at the same time. And this, again, is growing in character, growing in kind of the internal heart of Jesus. And it's opposed to the works of the flesh, which we also see in Galatians 5, verses 19 and 21. Paul says this, now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so Paul in this section is, is setting up this battle between the things of the spirit and the things of the flesh. And we're all at war within ourselves between our flesh that's still alive and the things of the spirit. And so, um, so we're all in the midst of this battle. But notice what he says. If you, if you do these things, these works of the flesh, not if you, not if you do them once or you stumble, but if this characterizes your life, if it's characterized by these works of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he's saying the same thing Jesus is. Jesus is saying, if you don't bear fruit, you're going to be broken off and thrown into the fire. It's the same thing as saying, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. They're saying the same theology two different ways. So this is internal fruit. We're all, as we're following Jesus and loving him and becoming like him, and as we'll see, abiding in him, we're, we, we grow in the fruit of the spirit. We grow in our character. But the second is external fruit. And external fruit are really the ways that we minister to other people. And I can summarize, external fruit really is just disciple-making. Making more disciples, making more followers of Jesus. This is what it means to bear external fruit. And of course, that's related to our internal fruit, how we live our lives. can open doors uh, to external fruit. But you say, well, what does that look like to, to make disciples? And my answer is, well, what did Jesus do? Let's do what Jesus did. And we look at the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, and we saw him teaching on the kingdom of God. We saw him uh, doing miraculous works and healings. We saw him having compassion and caring for people. And so these are the external works that flow out of uh, who we are and flow out of our fruit. And so you can summarize this as saying, disciple-making really consists of both showing and sharing God's love. Both showing God's love through acts of mercy and compassion, sacrificing for others, serving for others, and, of course, sharing the love of God, using our words to talk about the gospel, to talk about sin, to talk about the need and the offer of forgiveness. And so this is the kind of fruit that Jesus is talking about. And say, so, well, where do we bear this fruit? And my answer is you bear it everywhere. So we have, we have to, um, to not think about disciple-making as a, as a class that we take or a uh, or a particular uh, group that we're in, but disciple-making, following Jesus is a way of life. It encompasses all of how we live. And so you can summarize it that we make disciples where we work, where we eat, sorry, where we live, where we work, where we eat, and we play. And so where do you live? 
who's living around you? Who has God put in relationship with you? Parents, this is your children. Our children are our primary mission field to disciple them, to show them God's love, and to share with them God's love. So who is who has God put around us? Your workplace, where do you work? This is how you perform your work. Performing your work with the fruit of the Spirit. Performing your work with uh, excellence uh, makes a mark. It shows people. So we bear fruit in our work. But it's also the work that we do. Is the work that we do advancing the kingdom of God? Is it in line with God's purposes or is it not? And so these are decisions we have to make when we think about bearing fruit for God. Where do we eat? Okay, Getting people around a table, around the dinner table, is, is one of the best places to show and share God's love. It's one of the best places. It's one of the easiest things we can do. You all eat three times a day, probably at least. What does it look like to invite other people into that? Or if you're out at a restaurant, what does this mean to, to actually pray for your waitress or your waiter? Do you guys ever do that sort of thing? You ever ask them how they're doing? Is there anything we can pray for you? I'm going to tell you the story of some pastor friends I meet up with, and we try to go out and evangelize once a month. And uh, this was probably a year ago almost. I was, uh, we went to P.F. Chang's, me and this other guy. And I watched him lead this waitress to faith right in front of my eyes. It was like five minutes. And I was just astounded how he just led. It was just so spirit-led. And he prayed for her, and, and she said yes. And, they, and I think she, he start, she started going to his church. But I was just like, wow, I want that. Teach me, how did you do that? Walk me through. What was going on in your head? And he was just like, I don't know. It just started flowing. I just started sharing, and somehow we got there. I was like, man, that I want that. I want to learn how to do that. So where do you eat? And then where do you play? What do you do for fun? Who can you invite into that? How can you? It's all about relationships. How can you build relationships? This is how we bear fruit. And here's what we have to realize, that, that God has put himself in proximity to people that we're around because he lives inside of us. You think about that? God is near to people that we are around because God is living inside of us. We are his plan to bear fruit. We got to see that. We got to believe that. We got to want that. And God is faithful to answer our prayers. If we ask, help me, help me to bear fruit. So again, internal fruit, external fruit, uh, and where we bear this fruit. At the end of the, at the end here, he says, this is the mark of a disciple. Now, I really just want to let that sink in. Now, that might make you feel like nervous or like, is this, is this like some form of legalism if I'm not bearing fruit? Now, what does that mean? Well, we'll talk about that in, in a moment, but here's what we need to know. The call is to bear God's fruit by God's power. And God doesn't call us to do something. He doesn't intend to empower us to do. And so we can bear fruit, but we can do it on our own power. And the reason you know you're doing it on your own power is you end up burnt out, bitter, angry, and really struggling with God. But if you're bearing fruit by God's power, you get the fruit of the Spirit. You get joy, excitement. There's something easy about it. It's like pushing at an open door. So there is a difference, and we're all prone to do this on our own power, right? So as we'll see, the call here is... So here's the question we have to ask ourselves. Am I bearing God's fruit in my life? Am I bearing God's fruit in my life? Now, maybe that makes us uncomfortable, but here's what you need to know. If the answer is no, or I'm not sure, or I need to bear more fruit, the answer is not to try harder. The answer is to come to Jesus and learn what it means to abide. That's the only solution. Because if you try to try harder on your own power, it's not going to work. 
Okay, so this is the point of this text and how we bear fruit by God's power. So let's, let's continue because now he's going to tell us what does this look like. Okay, let's jump up to verse 1 to 3. Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So first thing we notice here, Jesus says what? Underline this. I am the true vine. Why does he say true vine? Why did you say I'm the vine? See, these words matter. Why am I the true vine? Well, the implication is there's false vines. You can plug yourself into, you can abide in a false vine. How do you know it's a false vine? You bear bad fruit. You're not bearing fruit for God, right? Matthew 7, you're going to know a tree by its fruit. So if Jesus is a true vine, there's false vines. But also in the Old Testament, Israel is also referred to as a vineyard, as the vine of God. And we all know that Israel failed to bear God's fruit. Well, Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel. And so Jesus is the true vine, the real vine in a way that Israel wasn't. So that's also what he means. The second thing I noticed here is it says that the father is the vine dresser. So again, we think of the father as the sovereign Lord, the one who is doing the work. He is the farmer over the vineyard. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Now think about a farm. And this is a rich metaphor. Think about how you tend to uh, to a vineyard. It takes time. It's intimate. You're getting in there with your hands and you're examining and you're pruning and you're clipping off bad things. The picture here is one of intimacy that God the Father deeply cares about you and he's deeply involved and wants to be deeply involved in your life. That's why he talks about, here's the work that he's doing, which is the third point here. Something's always happening, right? If there's not fruit bearing, he's cutting off the branches. If there is fruit bearing, he's pruning so that you might bear more fruit. So just because you're suffering or going through pain or uncertainty doesn't mean that God is against you. It doesn't mean God's breaking you off or anything like that. It means he's pruning you to bear more fruit. And so often it's suffering and pain that prunes us and humbles us that we might bear more fruit. So this is an encouragement for us, okay? If life is hard, come to this verse and say, oh, God, are you pruning me to bear more fruit? I want to bear more fruit. Now let me comment on this because it maybe makes you nervous to hear Jesus say, breaking off branches and burning in the fire. Does that mean we can lose our salvation? Uh, I don't think it means that. Now, there are some denominations, branches that do believe that. I don't believe that. And I think you can kind of take this to mean a couple different things here. One, it's a metaphor. In this case, all metaphors are going to fall short somewhere. Secondly, it was, as we said, Israel was the vine. And as you read Romans 11, Paul says that Israel was broken off so that the Gentiles could be grafted in. And then he goes on to say, but don't get prideful about that. Because just as Israel's broken off, we can break you off and put Israel right back in. Okay, so he could be alluding to this or it could be this cosmic sense, right? If we read other that Jesus, all things were created through Jesus, right? We all find our source in God. So in some sense, we're all, you know, in God because we were created by God. But if we're not bearing the fruit of God in the end, as we stand before the judgment, our only hope, again, is not our works, but are we in the vine? Are we in the true vine? Are we in Christ? And that's where our salvation comes from. Okay, so I just wanted to comment on that. Now, maybe you say, hey, this fruit bearing, I don't like this. This sounds like legalism. Is this like earning salvation or earning God's love? No, because look what he says in verse 3. He says this, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. 
And now what you don't see in English is the word for clean is the same word for prune in verse 2. God says, I am pruning you, I'm cleaning you, that you might bear more fruit. But this isn't about earning salvation or earning my love, because already you are clean, because of the word I have spoken to you. And I have spoken to you words of life, John 6. And they have believed. And he says something similar in John 13. If you remember, he's washing the disciples' feet, right? And he says this, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not every one of you, referring to Judas. So it's the same idea. We, this isn't about earning salvation. It's about our sanctification. It's about becoming more like Jesus. It's about bearing internal and external fruit. That's why we're being cleaned and pruned. But it's not about coming into relationship with God, okay? So you say, okay, bearing fruit, um, what's the secret? How do we do this? What does this look like? And the answer, of course, is simple. The answer is we abide in Christ. It's both a simple answer and a humble answer. Because we can do nothing without Christ. And let me read this section again as he unpacks this, this metaphor. Abide in me and I in you. Now notice, this is a mutual indwelling. We're abiding in him, he's abiding in us. We're abiding in him, he's abiding in us. It's this mystery of this union. Our, our call, this is a command, it's in the imperative, to abide. It means we have to do something, we have to choose something. But as we're choosing that, he's abiding in us. Okay, there's a mutual indwelling. Okay, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It's given them this, this great picture and it makes it even more explicit. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, again, mutual indwelling, he it is, that one, he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. This doesn't mean you can't do anything in your life. It just means you cannot bear fruit for God. And a little bit later in John 15, he says, your call, I've appointed you to bear fruit that remains, that lasts. And the idea there is eternal fruit. This is the joy that you and I get to do in fruit bearing. Fruit that lasts, that lasts to eternity. Okay? Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown to the fire and burned. Okay, so what, but what does this mean to abide? What does that actually mean? What do I do with that? Let me give you two images. Number one, your house. How do you abide in your house? You have to go into your house. You got to spend time in your house. You eat meals there, sleep there. The point is you go into your house and you're dwelling there. You can leave your house. You can go live somewhere else. But abiding means coming into and dwelling and residing. Okay? The second thing it means is just what he said. Think about a vineyard. How does a grape grow? A grape detached from the vine will die, right? The grape finds its life in the vine. It's nourished. It gets nutrition. It, the life of the vine is in the life of the grape. He's saying, if you understand that, I've given you this physical agricultural picture that they really would have gotten that day, and we can understand this is what it means to abide in Christ. You've got to be connected into the vine. You've got to receive nourishment from the vine, nutrition from the vine. We say, well, how do we, how do, we do that? What does that look like? Okay, I'm not going to tell you anything new. I'm going to keep telling you the same things because the issue is not that we don't know what to do. The issue is, will we do it, right? James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. 
So how do we abide? How do we dwell in? How do we connect to God? We know the answers. We're going to spend time with Jesus. We've got to spend time with Jesus. It means a conversation with him. So I spent six weeks in the Psalms talking about how do we have a conversation with God? We've got to hear from him. Where do you hear from God? Primarily you hear from God in the word. Do we spend time in the word? Who is Jesus? Jesus is the word of God. Do we spend time? You say, I know we're supposed to. I know I'm supposed to, but I just, you guys don't. This is life and death. And I always want to just remind us, you have an enemy to keep you out of this thing. Actively working against you. Through distractions and worries. Why is it so hard to get in the Word? Because you have an enemy. Why is it so hard to get anything out of the Word? Because you have an enemy. Satan knows how powerful this thing is. This changes lives, guys. This bears eternal fruit. The Word of God. How many thousands have died to put this in our hands? Do you spend time in the Word? Do you hear? This is how we hear from God primarily. We hear from Him through His Spirit as well. That indwells inside of us, like we read last time. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance whose words? Jesus' words. Where are Jesus' words? Right here. God's Spirit will speak to us through His Word. Okay? It means talking to Him. We call that prayer. Do you talk to God? Not just reciting prayers. That's not a bad thing. But this is a relationship. we got to think about God as a person, Jesus as a person, Holy Spirit as a person. You can dialogue with the person all throughout your day. And so we need to, I think, we need to schedule time to talk with God and to hear from Him. Call that quiet time, devotional time, whatever it is. It's not about checking off a list. It's about receiving true life. Okay? So where is that for you? Is that getting up early? Maybe that's getting up early. Maybe that's the last thing you do before you go to bed. Maybe that's around meal times for you. Maybe it's when you go to the bathroom. Maybe that's the only peace of mind you get in your day. Maybe it's all throughout your day, on your commute. You're just talking to God. Yes, you know you can do that. It's so hard for us here in America to slow down, turn off the noise, and hear from the source of life, which is what we desperately need, Right? So we got to spend time with God. It really is that simple. And what will begin to happen? Look at verse 7. If you abide in me, look what he says now, and my words abide in you. He said before, I'm going to abide in you. Uh, you abide in me. I will abide in you. Now he says, my words abide in you. Then what happens? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Really? Really? Anything? Ask whatever you desire, your heart's desire, and I will do it. It'll be done for you. Now, he's already said this in John 14, verses 13 and 14. He said, whatever you ask in my name, in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That in my name is the same idea of abiding in him, in Christ. So here's what happens as we spend time with Jesus. We have a conversation with Jesus. We're ministered to by the Holy Spirit, and our hearts begin to change. 
They become more like his heart. And as our hearts begin to change, our desires begin to change. And as our desires begin to change, what we're praying for begins to change. And then God delights to answer the prayers that he's put in our hearts. But God's not going to answer sinful prayers, right? <laughs> We've got to grow a heart like Jesus. And here's the principle in the Bible. You become like that which you behold. You become like that which you behold or worship. Now, we all see this in our culture, right? Whether it's yourself or your kids or whoever it is, who is it we idolize? What celebrity? What musician? What happens? Become to become like them. We dress how they dress. We say what they say. Or our favorite movies. We just start quoting our favorite movies all the time. We become like that we worship. So if we worship Jesus and we spend time with Jesus, the principle is we'll become more like him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, there's nothing, nothing blocking this. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see how important this is. Why are we discontent and dissatisfied with our lives? Is it really because of our circumstances? You think of Paul saying in Philippians 4, I have learned how to be content in any circumstance. Was he just saying that? Now, Paul had much. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had it all. And he went through great loss and suffering. And he says, I know the secret. It's in Christ. That's it. That's the promise for us, that we don't have to live lives of discontent and dissatisfaction in this world. But the secret is abiding in Christ, and our hearts are changed, and we become like him, and we're joyful, and we're full of love, and we're willing to lay down our lives. That's how you bear fruit. That's how you make disciples. That's how the early church did. You know how the early church, you know what their growth strategy was? Serve the poor. Take in the babies that people are trying to throw away. Give away what we have. And over three centuries, they took over the Roman Empire. That's the power of the self-sacrificial love of Jesus, empowered by His Spirit. And when we do that, when our hearts change, we become committed and devoted to his mission, not ours. What's his mission? Bear fruit. What does that look like? Sacrifice. Who is in need around us that we need to go to? I tell you, I've been going to the Samaritan Resource Center just down the street here for about eight months. And I've heard some of the most heartbreaking stories. And in our Bible study time, we've had people weep that Jesus loves them. Because we were there to say, Jesus loves you. I'm proof. Why else would I be here? And it's the most amazing thing. And we see hope. That's bearing fruit. So we need to abide. We need to connect. We need to receive from him. And when we do that, our hearts will change. Our prayers will change. Our relationships will change. Our families will change. Our church will change. The world might even change. This is the power of friendship with God, of abiding in Him. It's been happening for 2,000 years. So here's my closing exhortation here. I want you, let's think about the power of what Jesus is saying by thinking about a grape. What is the power in a grape? It's not just the grape, right? It's not even a cluster of grapes. 
It's not even a branch or a vine of grapes. It's not even a vineyard of grapes, but a vineyard of vineyards. That is the multiplicative, reproductive power in a grape. A single grape with the seeds of life has the power to create vineyards of vineyards. And what that means is one of your kids or someone in this room has the potential to change the world. You know the story of Charles Spurgeon, 19-year-old, walking along his path. He was a great Baptist preacher in a snowstorm, happens to go into a church, happens to hear this horrible preacher, and is converted on the spot. A few weeks later, he's preaching, and he would lead one of the first megachurches in Britain and minister to thousands. One person. If we're willing to abide in him, to obey him at all costs, look what he can do. I want us to bear fruit. I want to bear more fruit. And sometimes it's painful. But there's so much good here. So here's our closing questions. Number one, are you producing God's fruit? Only you and Jesus can answer that. If not, or rather, if you are producing God's fruit, are you producing God's fruit by God's power? If not, what's the answer? Not to try harder. Not to do more. Abide in Christ. Commit to come to him. Really. You know, we know what to do. What would happen if we did it? What would happen? Would you stand? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this word. Thank you for the simplicity of the gospel and the call, Lord. I pray that we would take it to heart. I pray that we would be a people wherever we are, Lord. Wherever you send us, wherever we end up, Lord. That this would be our heart because we're abiding in you. Because we love you. Because you have loved us. Next week, this amazing truth that you have loved us with the intensity that you love Jesus. And so God, I pray for fruit that would abide. I pray that we would produce your fruit by your power. God, we thank you for who you are. It's all about you. We love you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus, by your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.